Okay, good evening. Very nice to be with you and to see you. Um, I, I missed some of the hands showing earlier when Andrew was asking some of the Christmas things. Um, how Christmassy are you feeling? Who's already been to uh, a Christmas drinks or a Christmas meal with work or something? Like, who's done a Christmas turkey and the, and the works? Give me, give me some hands. Okay, not that many of you. Um, who's got an advent calendar on the go? Okay, what, what have you got in your advent calendars? Anyone want chocolate? Yeah, we've got a few advent calendars. Can I, can I show you the advent calendar that we've got at our house? It's going to pop up on the screen. That is, well, it's, we call it the advent train. Uh, and, and in each, it's got lots of little compartments, 24 little compartments, and there's a jam jar. And, and in each compartment, I had nothing to do with this, by the way, absolutely nothing. In each compartment, one for each day, you, you open it up, there's a Bible verse, there's a little gift, and there's a little kind of challenge uh, for, um, for, for the season. Because in our house, you can't not get excited uh, about Christmas because of my wife, Vix. She is Christmas mad. Uh, I made the mistake one year of suggesting that we maybe didn't need to quite do so much and we could just damp it down a little bit. <laughs> I won't be making that mistake again. Um, that was painful. Argument central. Um, but uh, Christmas is coming. Who's more excited about Christmas than about the election this coming week? <laughs> Trick question. Who's more excited about the election than the... Never mind. Let's not, let's not even go there. Um, uh, and, do you know, it's, it's worth noting, in fact, I think Andrew's already said it, of course, Christmas is not universally enjoyed. Uh, and it's really important that we uh, acknowledge that. Uh, there's, there's, the, um, there's loneliness, especially among the elderly. Uh, age concern, uh, in the last couple of weeks, put out a, a, an article that was published um, there will be probably 200,000 elderly who don't even see anyone else on Christmas Day in our country. That, that's pretty hectic. One and a half million of them, one and a half million of them say Christmas is the worst time, the most lonely time of the year. Of course, um, there are bereavements, and some will be facing this Christmas, they'll be facing it for the first time without that special loved one. And that's going to be incredibly hard uh, for some. For some, Christmas is just arguments and fights. For others, it's past hurts that resurface uh, because they're unresolved. Some people are so fed up with Christmas, uh, with the com commercialization of it, that they just want it to be over, and others feel absolutely trapped with the weight of expectation, and they find themselves spiraling into further debt, which is why January and February are among the, uh, the toughest months uh, of the year for many people. And with so much pressure, with so much going on, it's easy to miss the whole point. Because we're doing so much and so much is happening. And the whole point that Christmas celebrates arguably the most extraordinary event in human history. I reckon we could make an argument for that. It celebrates the most extraordinary event in human history where God becomes human. Try and get your head around that for a minute. That God, the God, the creator God, the creator of, of the whole universe, becomes one of us. And not coming as an adult with kind of power and authority, armies and status, but actually the opposite. He, he came as a little baby, born in a, in a poor family, an insignificant family. It's absolutely mind-blowing. The creator of everything, suddenly this newborn baby, 
living among us. Now, I'm so excited this Christmas about exploring that more, trying to get my head around that more. Even my kids are excited about that. Like, well, about what's under the tree uh, and in the stockings. But Christmas is coming, and actually I'd love to invite you to think, think, think about it and see what does it mean to us. The subject we've been given tonight is the God of faithfulness. And actually this is a great time to think uh, about who God is, the God who became human. But, but why? What kind of God is he? What's he like and I want to dig into that aspect of the, his character, that he is faithful. What does that mean? What does it look like for God to be faithful? And then, and this bit is with some trepidation, I cautiously want to take us into a storm. The storm is already there, but I'd like to invite us to go outside in that sense and acknowledge the storm and witness the storm and not just to survive it, but to be equipped to weather it. And the storm is all that stuff that rocks our belief that God is good and that God is faithful. It's a bit scary going there because in truth I don't have uh, any neat answers and watertight arguments, but we'll get to some of that in a minute. Let's start together on firm ground. And uh, you might want to open a Bible or, or flick it on, and I'd love you to go to Lamentations Chapter 3, it's right in the middle of the Bible. It was written by Jeremiah. It's going to come up on the screen uh, in a moment. The, the word to lament, it means to express pain or express sorrow. Uh, and Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. It, it's, it's not, a, not an exciting book. It's not one you want to read necessarily. Uh, but it's, it's full of richness and pain. And then right in the middle, while Jeremiah is pouring out his heart, he's a broken guy, and he's pouring out his heart, uh, to God. And then it's, he says this in the middle of it. Lamentations chapter 3, uh, and we're in verse 22 and 23. And he says this, famous verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I just want to read it one more time. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So that question we're playing with to start with is, is what's God like? And even that one verse tells us three things. Can you see it in there? He, he's love, he's merciful, and he's faithful. Okay, so I'm going to invite you guys now to uh, spend an extra minute or so um, probably talking to each other, working this out a little bit. And the question I'd love you to thrash out uh, is the question, what's God like? Okay, what's God like? I'm going to give you a minute or two. Um, you might want to uh, answer it by answering the question, God is, and then fill in the blank, maybe with, with one word, and see how many different words you get. You might uh, remember how he's described in the Bible. That might kind of fill in the blank for you. Some of you might reflect on how God has been personal to you uh, in your walk. If you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, you don't even believe there is a God, that's okay. Why don't you fill in the blank, the God is blank, with how you would like God to be if he did exist? That'll keep you, get you thinking. Okay, so one or two minutes, turn to person, one or two people either side of you, and have a chat. And let's fill in. I'll get some feedback from you uh, in a moment. God is, how do we describe his character?
Okay, last 10 seconds, and then I'm going to ask you to kind of call out some of the things that you guys have said, maybe something from the Bible or something from your experience. God is, what's he like? Okay, so let's, let's have some things called out. Could be from the gallery. Let's start up there. You guys, what's he like? Sorry, love. <sighs> Top of the class. Uh, God is love. Yes, someone else, this area. God is complicated. Okay, wow. That's good. Let's have some more. God is forgiving. Yeah. God is just. Let's have some more. Let's go nice and fast. God is Jesus. Let's have some more. God is everlasting. Go on, this part of the gallery, you don't want you to feel left out. God is a joker. Interesting. Your comments are as valid as everyone else's. This might be from your personal experience. You might be uncertain of this. Other things. What is God like? God is strong. Yes. And? God is jealous. That's worth unpacking. Maybe in the pub afterwards or over a breakfast. Anything else? God is all-powerful. And that was really weird. I didn't know where that came from, but it's like a, a voice from, from out there. And, and, and controversially, it was a lady's voice. No, no, let's not go there. Um, fantastic. Anyone else? God is awesome. I, uh, I messaged someone yesterday uh, with the same question. I sort of said, listen, take no more than 90 seconds to two minutes. And uh, just, just tell me, describe God. Give me a whole load of words. Um, and I then decided to put the words up on the screen, which will appear. Uh, and this, this is what, what he said. And then a lot of those things you've already said uh, yourself. Um, and just look through those words just a minute. Just take them in. Take them in. This is the God in whom we believe. And almost as you take these in, as you breathe those in, almost breathe out a wow. Because he's awesome. That's amazing. And some of the songs we were singing earlier, talking about God, he is good. He is incredible. And uh, what an awesome God we serve. Now, with Christmas around the corner, uh, we ask, why did Jesus come? And one of the reasons Jesus came was surely to help us understand what God is really like. There was a, a little girl drawing a picture. Her mummy said to her, um, darling, what are you drawing? And she said, mummy, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And rather unkindly, the mummy said, oh, darling, don't be silly. You can't be drawing a picture of God. Nobody knows what he looks like. The little girl just smiled, held up a picture and went, they will when I finished. If we'd asked Jesus, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? And he, he might have said, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, come on, Jesus, don't, don't be silly. You can't be drawing a picture of God. Nobody knows what he looks like. To which he would have replied, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. What I say, how I treat people, how I live my life. One author described him as God with skin on. If you want to know what God is like, look at me. In fact, Jesus uh, said it pretty much uh, word for word. When he said, uh, I and the Father are one. I and the Father is a huge claim, isn't it? I and the Father are one. Paul describes him as the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know what God is like, ultimately we look at Jesus. 
and then we discover it. This is the God that we believe in. Jesus was the kindest, the strongest, the most humble, the most incredible man that's ever walked the planet. There's a video that went around about 10, 15 years ago, uh, which we're going to play. Many of you will have seen it, especially some of the, uh, the oldies uh, will probably have seen this before. It was... Um, uh, Spoken. The word behind it is by a guy called uh, Dr. Lockridge, and he actually actually said these words. It's been put into a kind of a graphic video. He said these words as a kind of a a, a sort of a pre-word to a preach in a kind of Pentecostal church. He was introducing the preacher, and, and he just got so excited without a single note in front of him. This is back in the 70s, and he spoke uh, these words describing Jesus. Uh, the king. So in, enjoy this on the video. That's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? That's my king. I wish I could speak like that. It's been incredible. And I love the way he says, I wonder if you know him. That is an important thing he said. And he said it about eight times all the way through. I wonder if you know him. Guys, do, do you know him? There'll be some in this room who, who might be like, no. But there's an invitation in that. We can know God. Through Jesus, we can know him. There are so many in this room who would say, yes, I have a living relationship with him, and it is awesome. Such an awesome description of our God, our King, our friend. And that is an important foundation for where we're going now. Because now we're kind of metaphorically at least heading outside uh, into the storm. And the storm is where our faith is battered. We just kind of laid those foundations of faith, which is what we believe, and this is who he is. And now the storm is where that is absolutely hammered. And it's battered, and we're bruised by the sheer pain of life. And I think everyone in this room will know that, that sometimes life absolutely stinks. Uh, and and you, maybe you're in that place right now where it is so tough. There may be debilitating illness or marital, sorry, marital breakdown or the death of a loved one or constant anxiety or depression or bullying. Whatever it is, whatever age we're at, sometimes life can absolutely hammer us. One author uh, said this, painful trials are fertile ground for the seeds of doubt. It's true, isn't it? Painful trials are fertile ground for the seeds of doubt. You see, this, this storm, it, it shakes us. It causes us to doubt. Is God good? Is he there? Does he care? Why doesn't he do something about this? Surely you've asked those questions. I know I have more than once. In the Old Testament, there's um, a prophet called Habakkuk. There's a book named after him. Uh, And he is so distraught with life that he says this in in one of his prayers. He's like, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you just don't listen? Some of us have prayed prayers like that. I wonder if your prayers sometimes in different seasons, you feel like they just hit the ceiling and go no further and then just drop down again. Um, Psalm 13, if you've got... Um, a Bible app or something, just flick up Psalm, Psalm 13. We're going to be here now and we're going to drop, drop back to it later on. But Psalm 13 is one of the Psalms of lament and it starts like this. It's like, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face 
from me. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Why doesn't he do something about it? If you were God, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you do something about it if you were God? That situation that you or your friend or your loved one is facing? If I was God, I I would. I've heard friends say, and maybe you have too, if there is a God and he allows things like that, then I don't want to have anything to do with him. I've heard people say, say that. But I guess it boils down to one question that we have to ask. Can I believe that God is good when life isn't? That's a question we have to face. Can I believe God is good when life is not? He might be in that dark place right now, or maybe someone you know is in that dark place. Does it help to know that others have been there too? Probably not, to be honest, but they have. It is important for us to know it, even if it doesn't feel like it helps. If you look at the Bible, if you start reading the Bible, you find books like Job and Lamentations and Ecclesiastes and Jeremiah and probably over a quarter of the Psalms, some people have done the studies, they all express confusion and doubt and pain as faithful believers are in the storm. Faithful believers And the storm hits them as it hits everyone else as well. There are no simple formulas. There is no simple fix for when life is brutal. There never has been and there never will be. But have you noticed, if you've read the Bible for a while, have you noticed we don't find quite the same lament in the pages of the New Testament? I'm sure there was plenty of lament going on, plenty of pain. They had ample reason to cry out. The church was being persecuted. Fellow believers were being killed and beaten up and locked up again and again. These were their family, their friends, the early church. They had plenty of reason to lament. They would have been praying for protection. They would have been praying for deliverance. These guys had witnessed uh, irrefutable miracles, even in response to their prayers, and yet the tragedies kept on coming too. Now, in the Old Testament, where there are prayers of lament, where are you, God? In the New Testament, we, we have, we're, it's full of encouragements and exhortations from believer to believer to keep on going. Now, their, their prayers, no doubt they would have used for Psalms, and, and they would have expressed words used in Scriptures to, to try to express their pain. But actually, the words of the New Testament are encouragements. Come on. Keep going. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. The Apostle Peter, he wrote a couple of letters uh, that we've got in the New Testament. The first of his letters, the main reason he wrote it was to encourage the Christians who were suffering throughout the region. And they were suffering horrendously. I want to wrap up with three things, maybe three takeaways that we can just ponder as we kind of go through Christmas, as you face the storm, uh, or as one of your friends or one of your family members is in the storm. Three takeaways, maybe to pray into and reflect upon. The first of them is promises. I want to read a couple of scriptures. In Joshua 1, verse 9, 
It says, the Lord your God. So first, be strong and courageous. goes on to say, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That promise, he will be with you. Jesus said it himself. The last recorded words of Jesus in Matthew 28. And he said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus was teaching about the Holy Spirit... Do you know what he said, John 14? He said, I'll ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. He promises, we've got to hold on when it's dark to these promises that whatever you go through, you're not alone. He's with you in the darkness. He's with you in the pain. It may not feel like it, but it's a promise. And we can hold him to it. And the Christmas message is so important here because God didn't just call out from heaven like, yeah, I can see, uh, hang in there, you can do it, I'm for you. He didn't just call out his love and shout his love from heaven. He came down from heaven and showed his love as he became one of us, the incarnation. He became one of us. It's so important. And life wasn't fair to Jesus either, was it? If you read his life, it's astonishing what he went through. And he un- un- unpacks it to say he went through it for us, for our sake. So the one who promises never to leave you is also the one who promises or who understands what we are going through. Promises, our first pillar. The second pillar, or the second takeaway, is perspective. Perspective. I don't know if you've uh, read some of the letters in the New Testament. The apostles... Uh, the authors of those, they, they've said some crazy things. So here we go. James 1. I don't know if you're aware of this one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. I mean, come on. Consider it pure joy. The trials he's talking about are people getting killed, people getting beaten, people getting imprisoned. Massive pressure daily in their churches. Consider it pure joy brothers. He says some crazy things. Now, if we stopped reading there, we'd think he was truly weird. But actually, he's got perspective because he goes, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can you see what he's saying? He's saying from his perspective, Our perspective is helping him see that God can use every trial, every situation to bring about growth and even to bring about his beauty. Some of you will have come across the story of Joni Erickson Tarda. She was um, uh, a very active girl. When she was 17, she misjudged the shallows in Chesapeake Bay and she dived in, uh, misjudged the depth of the water and she broke her neck uh, and She was paralyzed from the shoulders down. She is now um, 50 plus years since that accident. And she's been in a wheelchair, uh, utterly paralyzed from shoulders down since then. And she said this, I really would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I now do than be on my feet without him. Extraordinary perspective, um, perspective. I would really rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I do than be on my feet without him. 
And then she says this extraordinary sentence, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. How about uh, Nick Vucucic? Not sure if I said it quite well, but you might well have seen him uh, on YouTube. He's a well-known motivational speaker. He was born with no arms and no legs. And he says this, we know that God is faithful. We fail God. We'll fail our family. And our family might even fail us at times, but God never fails us. That's an extraordinary thing to hear from him and all of everything he's been through. Now, here's a question. Does what we believe about God change according to our circumstances? Does what we believe about God change according to our circumstances? It's an important question for us to uh, even decide on. If, you, if you've never been in a hectic storm uh, of a storm of life, where you've just been utterly ruined, try and answer that question now. And then, if, when the storm comes, so, uh, sort of remind yourself of the answer. You know what the Apostle Paul um, described his hardships, and, and he had had a few hardships. He called them light and momentary troubles. It's all about perspective. He was flogged uh, 39 lashes five times. He was beaten with rods three times, imprisoned multiple times, shipwrecked three times. Perspective, light and momentary troubles. He's seeing something beyond just this life. And Corrie Ten Boom, who many of you will have come across, she was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp in 1944. She often spoke about uh, an embroidery, used this as an example, uh, as, uh, as an image, a metaphor to help us. And uh, the embroidery she used was this one here. And she sort of said, so often we think, uh, we see life only from the underside of the embroidery, what we can see uh, on the left. And we see all the frayed ends. Frankly, it, it, it's, it's a mess. And it's, it's, you know, it's not amounting to anything. That's often all we can see. And she says, actually, but God, his perspective is so much richer. And he can see from the other side. Out of our mess and pain, he can bring something beautiful. Will you trust God even when you can't see what he's doing? You know, if, if we understood everything completely, if we could see everything absolutely clearly, we wouldn't need faith because we'd, we'd know, we'd see. But actually, we do need faith. Faith is trust. And Corrie Ten Boom said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It all comes back to his character, who we can know. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an unknown, to a known God. Well, the third uh, takeaway before we pray together is prayer. We've got to talk it through uh, with God uh, honestly. Just like some of those lament passages in the scriptures, uh, we can express all the raw emotion we have to God. He can handle it. Maybe use the Psalms, use the other books, let their words um, put kind of words on uh, the pain that we, uh, that we have. Uh, Psalm 13. We looked at it earlier. It started with so much pain, but look how it ends. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. He says this after pouring out his pain. He says, But, but I trust in your unfailing love. 
My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Choose to worship. Even those hard songs. You know that song, You're Never Gonna Let Me Down? You know that song? You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. I find that one of the hardest songs to sing. I bet I'm not alone. You're never going to let me down. I bet there are loads of us in this room who feel like God has let us down. It's how we might feel. The feeling is valid. Even if it's not accurate, it's true. And I will sing it. I've sung that song with tears running down my face. I'll never forget watching, uh, standing next to my wife, Fix, and uh, watching her worship with the coffin of our child just about three meters in front and at his funeral service and tears pouring down her face as she was worshiping. Her hands went up and she chose, she chose to worship. I couldn't actually sing a word myself. Actually, I had tonsillitis. Couldn't get anything out. I tried. But I will never forget it. So often, guys, it is a choice. It is a choice. Like Habakkuk, uh, once we've expressed our pain, it might be time to listen. Uh, so often I've, I've been in that place. All I've wanted to do is, is rant and rave uh, and bleat and vent uh, at God. Uh, but so often he actually wants to speak back. And after Habakkuk had sort of laid out all of his uh, pain to God, he then listened. And that might be something we need to do. You know what Habakkuk's name means? It means to wrestle and to embrace. There's something pretty beautiful in that. And that's something we can do. It's an invitation to us. I want to wrap up and then I'd love us to pray. This might have touched people in a whole lot of different areas. And the most important thing we can do tonight is to pray. And to ask God to meet us in that pain or to pray for those others who might be in it. But we started with Advent. Our classic Advent train. Your Advent calendar. Do you know Advent is, is mostly about looking forward? Not just about looking back. Yeah, it's kind of looking back to when Jesus came. We count down the days. But it's mostly about looking forward to when he comes again. And he will. And do you know on that day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. No more mourning. No more death. For the old order of things will pass away. I'm looking forward to that day. That's why Paul said for me to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Looking forward to that time. His faithfulness will sustain us today and it will see us through to that day. God is faithful. And there aren't simple answers to kind of nail whatever question you've got on this. But it's important that we journey it together. I'd love us to pray. So why don't, we, why don't we stand together and I'll lead us in a bit of prayer. Maybe the band could come up. Perhaps we might just um, start with a couple of minutes of just silence. You might want to close your eyes. Um, and you might want to reflect on um, the thing that has hurt you most or the storm, whatever's applicable to you or to someone you love. 
completely silent and you just take it to God. Holy Spirit, come among us. God of comfort, come among us. feel God saying, actually, there's, there's some who, who are really afraid to go there, to go to that place, because uh, they don't want to come across as, as vulnerable or broken. Um, and God's saying, actually, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's a safe place to, to be with him, letting out your pain. I think what we'd love to do is we'd love just to pray with each other. And if you particularly tonight, you need strength, the strength to continue, why don't you come forward and we can pray. If you come up, you don't need to share anything that you might be going through. Uh, You can, of course, if you like, with someone who's praying with you. But uh, they can just lay a hand and just pray. Just be asking for God's presence. They might speak some of God's promises. So for strength to endure, come let us pray with you.